the Take 5 podcast from Fortinet. You give us a few minutes and we provide five cybersecurity insights based on the current trends impacting today's technology leaders. This podcast series taps into the experience from the Fortinet Field CISOs team, focusing on the challenges leaders will face in the upcoming year across key industries and technologies. I'm your host, Willie Nelson, Fortinet's CISO for Operational Technology. And today we're talking with Joe Robertson, Fortinet CISO in EMEA for Operational Technology. And he's talking about preparing for the year ahead for Operational Technology. Welcome, Joe. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity, Willie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, taking a look back, what challenge was top of mind for CISOs in OT in 2022 in terms of cybersecurity? Well, Willie, I think 2022 was the year that a huge number of companies really realized that their production is at risk from cyber attacks on their operational technology. You know, I've been seeing a real sea change in awareness of the threat, especially at the level of top management and boards of directors. There have been lots of headlines in the news, of course, about things like ransomware shutting down production or bringing hospitals to a standstill. Why, just a few weeks ago, all train traffic in Denmark was halted for almost a full day after a cyber attack. You know, with all this publicity, and uh, some people say any publicity is good publicity, I'm not sure about that, but certainly boards of directors and CEOs are taking note of it and they're asking, are we safe? And actually most CIOs and CISOs and asset owners that I talk to, they don't, we don't have a real good answer to this. We can't just say yes and be done with it. We all know that. Yeah, I completely understand and agree. Uh, so how, how will the awareness evolve or change in 2023, do you believe? Well, I think that in some ways, 2023 has already started. Um, more and more CISOs and other heads of IT security are suddenly being handed the responsibility for OT security as well. And this is a big deal because protecting OT is a whole different world from IT. For one thing, what you're protecting is physical. These are machines, they're robots, production lines, vehicles. And they're almost all controlled by computers or are running on internal computers. If these things are compromised, it can result in damage to expensive machinery, such as turbines in a power generation that could spin out of control and fly apart. It can also result in environmental damage. If, for example, a rogue command opens valves and spills chemicals in a refinery or a chemical plant. Any of these actions can also lead to injuries to staff working at those locations, even potentially loss of life. So you can see why the people whose careers are now dedicated to protecting OT take it so seriously. And now top management is taking it seriously too. I'm seeing many organizations that are really, they're tightening their belts this year in anticipation of next year and the year after that being perhaps a little bit tough economically and financially, but nevertheless, they're adding resources and expertise in OT cybersecurity because it really is a specialty area that's woefully short of well-trained experts. That's a good lead into our next question. Clearly finding experienced resources is good to be one of the challenges going to be one of the challenges to be addressed in OT for 2023. What are some of the other ones that you're seeing moving up on the list? Well, obviously every organization is at a different stage in their OT cybersecurity maturity evolution. 
So that list is going to look totally different for almost everyone. Maybe it's best if I talk about the baselines that are essential in, in no particular order. One point would be segmentation. First, make sure that there's a separation between your IT and your OT networks. At a minimum, this means making sure that there is security, like a firewall, anywhere that there's a connection between IT and OT. In terms of the Purdue model or IEC 62443, this is level 3.5. This helps prevent an infection in IT from spreading to production. Even better, let's say that you have a factory with multiple production lines. Separate each of them with firewalls and other security as well. Better still is what we call micro-segmentation, where all traffic from every asset to any other device has to pass through the security platform. If anything gets infected, the attacker can't move laterally to infect other parts of your production. Now, another important area is visibility. It means knowing what you have. I don't know how many times I've had customers put some kind of probe in their production environment and see that there are lots of devices on the network that they had no idea were there. You can't protect what you can't see. A third key area is access management and secure remote access management. This goes way beyond just changing system passwords so that they aren't just default or password or one, two, three, four, five, six, although that is important, of course. You want to positively identify each user, not just a generic engineer ID, for example, and you also want to restrict any user's access to only those assets that they have a reason to access. This isn't because you don't trust your staff. It's because if any of their systems get compromised, you don't want the bad actor to be able to simply wander around anywhere in the systems on your network. And in many cases, you've got vendors or uh, vendors of certain parts of your production system, like maybe the pumps or robots or generators or whatever, who want to do remote maintenance or updates of their products. This is a good thing, but you have little control over whether or not their systems are compromised. So you want to ensure that they have access to their equipment and nothing else. Investment in secure remote access tools and zero trust access is far more cost effective than trying to repair the damage from attack on your production assets. So segmentation, visibility, and access management, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, when, you're, when you're talking to, with CISOs in OT though, what are some of the overlooked cybersecurity strategies or solutions that you think would be really relevant or helpful? You know, one statistic that I really find compelling, especially for OT, is what's known as dwell time. Now, this is a number that's related to advanced persistent threats, and it describes how long an adversary has a backdoor into the network and is able to access that network. Research by a number of organizations and cyber forensics experts shows that dwell time, that time the attacker has access to the target's network, dwell time is measured not in days or weeks, but in months, in general, up to six months or more. They get a foothold in the network somewhere and they find ways to raise their credentials and start looking for valuable resources. And OT resources have started to become a very desirable target, especially for state-sponsored actors and hacktivists. For example, utilities like electrical grids, water systems, etc. 
Now, deception technology can be very valuable here. This involves putting in place systems that look like a valuable resource, uh, a part of a SCADA or industrial control system like an HMI or PLC or similar, but it's a fake. If an attacker is in your network, he'll be attracted to it and start to investigate. I like to think of it as an Elvis impersonator, not the real thing, but close enough to attract attention. Since no legitimate user would have a connection to this system, because after all, it's fake, you know that your defenses have been breached if someone's in there. Now, a good deception system will give you lots of forensics to identify who it is and, most importantly, help you block them from your systems. I like the Elvis impersonator analogy. I like that. Um, so let's talk about reconnaissance. How is the shift to more disruptive cyber, cyber threats at scale causing a need to consider more active defense cyber strategies for CISOs and OT? It's a mouthful. It sure is, but maybe it's best if we step back and define what we're talking about here. Uh, attacks all follow pretty much the same steps. Before the attack even starts, the attacker is doing reconnaissance and figuring out ways to get into your systems and developing the cyber weapon that he's going to use. That's what we're talking about here. But after he does that, he's gonna do more. He's gonna find ways to uh, deliver that weapon. It might be phishing or email compromise. And he's gonna find ways to exploit the system that he gets into. It might be an SQL injection, it might be attacking an unpatched device. And then he's going to install the payload, the bad stuff, uh, which may be relatively simple. It could just be enough code to call home to a command and control server and say, hey, I'm in now, what do you want me to do? And then comes the attack. So cybersecurity is about trying to find the attacker anywhere along this path and break the chain so it never reaches the final phase of an actual attack. More and more, we're looking to try to catch them at that very first step, reconnaissance. Now, I've already mentioned one defense here, deception technology. Another one to look at is a digital risk protection service, sometimes shortened to DRPS, as if we didn't have enough acronyms already, DRPS and all these others. Um, anyway, DRPS service will look at your environment from the outside, the way an attacker would. It will identify servers, credentials, public cloud misconfigurations, and even third-party partner software code that may have vulnerabilities that could be exploited. Now, a good DRPS will also provide protection to your brand by detecting things like typo squatting. Now, that's a, a fake website that's one letter away from yours so that if anyone makes a typo to that letter, well, guess what? He's on their site, not on yours. It'll also look for defacements, uh, phishing impersonations, uh, plus sometimes uh, even rogue mobile apps, uh, credential leaks, brand impersonation in social media as well. Some even go so far as to spy on what's being said about your organization on the dark web. As they say, all is fair in love and war, and this is definitely war. If the enemy is spying on us, why not do the same to him, right? I like it, Joe. I like it. Uh, well, we, we've come to time. Thank you, Joe, for, uh, for joining us. And thanks for joining us for uh, this episode of Take 5. For more information about OT, visit our website, www.fortinet.com OT. The Take 5 podcast is brought to you by Fortinet, securing your digital acceleration 
with the performance and scale needed to detect and prevent threats across an organization's entire infrastructure, including networks, endpoints, and clouds.